With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Well, it's not exactly uh, Christmas music, but I got Lightning Hopkins in the background. I got uh, friends and family on the line, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I got Santa on the line. It's really, really good. Anyway, this is Brad Shaw to Ben. You're listening to the SteelerFury.com podcast. And um, it's a wonderful time to be alive if you're a Steelers fan because today's the anniversary, uh, what is it, the 42 years ago? The uh, Immaculate Reception. 42 years ago today. 43. What didn't 43 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. 43, 43 years ago. Beautiful. Mr. Franco Harris. I hear the salute. I drink to you, Franco. Uh, and with me to uh, not only enjoy this great day on Steeler history, but to talk about the present day Steeler history in the making uh, is Santa of Steeler's World, and that would be FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? Ho, ho, ho. Oh, my money. <laughs> so here's here's a question: Have you ever played portrayed Santa? Have you ever dressed up in the suit yes, for the beard? Absolutely, I have. Dude. <laughs> Nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. Let me tell you, twenty-five dollars an hour. You get your fucking stone on. Two and a half hours displays. Sure, yes. Santa's gonna bring you a pony, your own little midget. A robot, world peace. <laughs> hey, it's, it's all your fault. You, down. Exactly. That's and all if your you fault. Don't get all this. It's your parents' fault. The parents are giving you like the evil eye too, right? They're exactly. like, no, no, <laughs> don't say Aren't yes. Are you glad that you paid Santa five dollars just for that to happen? <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of Santa, uh, a little bit later in the show, I think we'll do some uh, some Christmas gifts. Around the league, but at the, at the moment, uh, tell me about your experience watching the the Steelers Denver game. Were you did you did you uh, you know were you frustrated like me at halftime? Or did you you were calm and you felt like it was in the bag and eventually it was going to work out? Or how were you feeling about this? What was your experience? I'm weird. I don't really talk I, as much as I like to talk and as much as I've posted in the past. I'm really actually quiet during games and. After they got the field goal at the end of the first half, I said they're just going to basically have to come out and pitch a shutout. And I didn't know if they would get it done, which they ended up getting it done, obviously. Um, I was was a combination of just thinking that Denver – we made Denver look a lot better than they actually were, and was there enough time to get back into it. And uh, I was pissed. I, I don't. I rarely post during games unless it's something that I think really stands out. And uh, I just thought I was. It was a self-destructive game. You know, two drop coverages. Um, you know, basically nobody accounts for you know Brock Osweiler and he stumbles into the end zone. You know, and there goes three of their touchdowns. You know, uh, but 
Yeah, and and, and the thing Seven's is, the, pretty good. <laughs> does, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the guy the guy wearing seven for the Steelers, not a bad football player. Uh, I I tell you what, I are you are you with me? I I I was I thought the Denver's defense was for real, despite the fact that they gave the up Denver's 34. defense was for real. I just don't think they've seen anything like Pittsburgh's offense, and that's really hard for Steeler fans to accept. I mean, it really is. I mean, because we're so we're, – we're, like, born into this and we're into it. And we can't stand back – we can't take a step back and realize, wow, this fucking passing attack is really, really special. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I was thinking about uh, today with the, the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, I got to thinking about some Steelers memories. I was joking that, uh, you know, today is the biggest holiday uh, in, in Steelers Nation and a memory, maybe the top memory ever – and then I started saying, well, you know, except for like that hundred-yard touchdown return from James yeah, Harrison, and except for, yeah. and except for, uh, you, know, Holmes, you know, tapping the fucking toes, or yeah, you know, one, you know, pulling one in from seven yards out of bounds against Dallas in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So we have Ryan Clark knocking out Willis McGahey, Troy Polamalu so taking off Joe Flacco. Yeah, we've been fortunate recently. And the thing is, I was it got me to thinking about. You know, something about the throw for the game-winning touchdown to Antonio Brown that just struck me as very Bradshaw. Like, if that had been in an even bigger game, then this is obviously a big game, maybe the biggest of the season for them so far. But if that had been a postseason game, that would be a legend. You know, that would be like a legendary throw and catch. And, uh, you know, I I just – do I think now, as the person who started this whole thing with, you know – with Bradshaw and Ben and, you know, being a fan of, of Bradshaw's as I was growing up and still convinced that he's, you know, uh, I, I always used to say he was the best football player I'd ever seen play football. I, you know, Ben is right there. He's, he's, he might, he might be reaching a level now where he's, you know, I don't know. Best stealer ever. Is that within his grasp before his career is over? I'm going to put it this he, way uh, to the, Every generation, past generation X, he's gonna be. You know, how much it's. I I I don't remember Terry Brad. I'm you know early 40s. I don't remember Terry Bradshaw as an elite NFL quarterback live. I've seen the films and I've watched the games. You know, the Terry Bradshaw may be one of the best throwers of a football. I'm not saying necessarily he got accurate as he's got older, but he threw 60, 70 yard darts that didn't get more than 10 or 12 feet off the ground. That's Elway. That's Jeff George, who we hate. To, I don't. He, he just didn't have it upstairs, but he had that type of arm. And Ben is, like, maybe a little slight notch below that. But, he, like, the throw to A.B., that's pinpoint. That's pinpoint accuracy, and you got to have a live arm to get that ball there. You know, yeah. like, Brady may get that ball there at this point. Man. No, well, the thing and the thing about the you know uh, Bradshaw and and maybe even John Elway, they took big drops too. You know they were they, right. they were like 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage before they threw that deep out. That people are like, you know, they think it's amazing if a college quarterback now coming into the draft can throw the deep out from you know a three step drop. Uh, so uh, those guys, those cats had a different level arm in some cases. To be an elite quarterback, <laughs> I think you have to be able to make that three step drop and deep out. I, I mean, you really have to be able to. I never considered, you know, the Drew, Drew Breeses of the world elite. I understand they put up a ton of great video game numbers. But what you're saying, that three-step drop and being able to zip the ball out there, it's it's needed. 
my opinion. Well, the thing the thing about that, you know, kind of comparison in in quarterback errors or comparison to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense now compared to the the offense, the great offense of the past is they have to prove they can do this in the postseason, right? Correct. Offensive line has yeah. to <clears throat> prove they can give them time. Yeah. Hey, speaking of offensive line, um, that the, the the group they played against uh, with Denver is that's a pretty terrific inter- interior defensive line and edge rushers. How did you think that they did across the board? Are you are you satisfied with what they I mean? They got it, they did enough to win, but that was a real battle. Sure. I mean, um, am I surprised that they put a tight end out there to give uh, Villanueva a little bit of help whenever? Uh, they lined up the Marcus Ware very wide, or if they lined up uh, Miller very wide, uh, no. Am I surprised that whenever they lined them both up wide that uh, Marcus Gilbert got the job done? No. Um, there, There's other things that uh, that surprised me. I actually thought the Steelers were going to be able to run the football. Now they really didn't have time, and I think they could have maybe got to that. But I think that's the one thing that's underrated about Denver is uh, they're actually a very physical defense. I mean, they have, like, um, not classic people playing positions where, like, Sylvester Williams is not definitely not your classic 3-4 nose tackle. And uh, he, he did a heck of a job. I mean, we, we we struggled to run the ball early in the game. Uh, you know, uh, they're they're good. They, they, they're, I think that I see improvement, you know, um, week to week. Um, Ramon Foster continues to scare me, and Cody Wallace is – Definitely not the best uh, technician at center, but you know he he really brings intangibles to the football team. Yeah, well, and that uh, you know they, their matchup, particularly in this game. I mean, Malik Jackson is there isn't anybody I can think of who's better uh, that they might face. Yeah, and that so the thing is, there's not a whole lot of shame in being dominated by him, but I thought that was, I thought he was almost single-handedly wrecked the running game. Uh, you know, sort of like they couldn't figure out a way to get him moved in a certain direction, let alone blocked actually, you know? Sure. So uh, makes it very hard. Does it not? It does. So your, uh, your, your, your deal with Cody Wallace, uh, you know, kind of uh, retaliating for Denver's uh, being a little rough with Antonio Brown, uh, I, I, I'm guessing you had mixed feelings about that. Ooh, seemed my, like, feelings, seemed like, my feelings were very good. I heard it was first and 10. I heard we lost 15 yards, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you, 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 well, teams are going to continue to punch you in the mouth until you stop them from punching you in the mouth. And there was – I mean, I, I, would I like to see them go after somebody else other than David Bruton? Sure. But he was there, and, you know, it happened. I wasn't thrilled with it, but at the same time, no. I understand that, uh, you know, regardless of what the NFL and, you know, the media, NFL media machine want to put out there, it's violent game played by, played by violent men. It, we're, we're pretty much going to the Coliseum, you know, in Roman times. <laughs> it's exciting. Sure. It, you know. So you gave, but you, you gave the thumbs up instead of the thumbs down. Sure. I'm, I, was, I was good with it. I mean, <laughs> hey. I mean – if you don't, I mean, how much is are you going to take? And I thought that uh, I didn't think the officials were that great early in that game. I think uh, the reason that most games get out of control is because uh, 
holding a lot of times. Often defensive linemen and pass rushers don't like to be held, and they really don't like it when the flags don't come out. And that's, you know, so when they're being held, they like to perhaps hit an offensive lineman underneath the face mask. And that offensive lineman says, well, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> One punch leads to right. two, and, you know. Right. I'm sure you've That'll seen that. That'll be the. If you, whenever you, you head on the, the lovely striped jersey where you just, you've seen it coming and just like, hey, you know, it's going to happen. I'm not the umpire. Okay. the holding penalty. You know, okay. Yeah, the younger the players are, the more obvious they are about it. Though, like they'll sure. just kick a guy in the shins, or you know, punch him in the balls, or something. Like there isn't, there isn't a subtlety involved. Like in the NFL, I think that they're pretty subtle at that level. Uh, it's anyway, not, you know, Cody oh. Wallace attempting to jam his fist up someone's uh, rectal cavity, per se. Right under a under a scrum, he would never do such a thing. Never. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you know, I guess you could make the argument on one hand. Like I said. It didn't find an answer for Malik Jackson, but it's not like anybody else in the league really has either. So, you know, the, the kind of performances they've been able to put up the last four weeks, people will say there's no point in having Maurice Pounce, Marquise Pouncey when you could just have Cody Wallace. But, you know, I, to that I would say, yeah, well, you don't need Le'Veon Bell, right? You could just have yeah. a guy, a guy <laughs> right. up the street. <laughs> you know, sure. like I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think either is totally true, but. You know, it, it, it is there is at least a possibility of reallocating some of that money. Possibly, 2014 right? was a good season for Marquise Pouncey. I mean, I'm not the biggest Marquise Pouncey fan. Never have been. Probably never will be. But um, he was he was solid. And um, if we're getting that back, then yeah. I mean, for the for the Cody Wallace fans, I wouldn't be surprised if Marquise Pouncey stays healthy. That Cody Wallace takes over left guard from Remo and Foster because you know um, he's every bit the problem if not more of a problem than than Wallace's which yeah but here's the thing about Ramon Foster Ramon Foster is the you know he's like one of the I would say three or four locker room leaders that the Steelers have in other words he's the guy that they they claim is the you know voice of the offensive lineman and and he's a guy that that you know helps helps the running back up he's a guy that gives them the talk in the locker room when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing etc I just I I don't see that guy going anywhere. And I mean I'm 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 with you that he has some limitations physically obviously, but I'd be I'll be really surprised. I'd be less surprised I would be less surprised to see them let Kelvin Beecham Beecham and maybe even Pouncey go than Foster because Foster A is affordable and B he's a locker room guy that they you know, when you're looking at it from afar like we are and, and more or less on a fantasy football level you don't think about any of those intangible things that we don't know about, but I feel like he's they for years. They were like, who are going to be the new leaders on this team? And then when you identify who those guys are, you don't get rid of them. That's what I think. Right. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I could see them letting, uh, Beecham go. If, uh, they re-sign Villanueva, if they think that he's the answer, which he may possibly be. I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, um, I don't want to anoint or take away from what Kelvin Beecham did here. I I won't be shocked if Kelvin Beecham's back, but I mean, do you think they're going to sign Ramon Foster to another contract? That's the question. I mean, yes, I do. I think Ramon I think Ramon Foster will get his career-ending contract, and it will be team-friendly, and both sides will consider it a win. That's like what a I three-year, six million dollar deal, like something like, something like that. previously. Okay. And then, and I would and I would say that you know I I don't. 
I mean, like I said, I'm more and more be surprised that Beecham gets re-signed only because, you know, the the guy that they've plugged in there has proven to be more than adequate. And okay, both both Beecham and Villanueva, for different reasons, need occasional help. But they also, I was going to say, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but late in the game, they weren't giving Villanueva any help, and he was once the once those pass rushers got a little bit tired and they got a little bit of that out of their, you know, that sort of energy out of their system. He seemed to be able to really swallow up not only DeMarcus Ware. I think they ran uh, Vaughn Miller over there a couple times. He, he seemed to just take whoever whoever came to him later in the game. He was fresher. They were not. It worked out okay. I, I think if you get that kind of performance out of your left tackle against as good a pass rushing team as, you know, since the Steelers had in the mid-90s, then I, you know, maybe Seattle is a couple of years ago is near them, but. I just feel like you get a guy that's got that much success at left tackle, you're going to then put him back on the bench. I don't see that happening. Dean, I mean, what was, it's going to come down to what the, if the team thinks more of Beecham or if, of Foster, and you think it's going to be Foster. And you probably are going to be right, but I can hope that maybe because Beecham is just meant <laughs> to be a left guard. He's actually mobile enough. He run blocks pretty damn well. He may not be weight room strong, but he's functionally strong. He's a very good pass blocker. And I think the, the in an ideal world, you know, I'd rather give, you know, a two-year, $7 million deal to Beecham than the same deal to Foster because I know what I'm going to get with Foster. And well, What do you think about the idea of Beecham at center? Because I know that before he moved to left tackle, you know, they were looking at him as potentially being the backup center to Pouncey or being able I, to play all five positions. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Pouncey's going anywhere. And the cap's going up $10 million this year. Coming up in 2016, it's going to be a, they already announced it's going to be $10 million. And they're expecting it to be another $8 million the following year. So it's not even going to be – I mean, the Steelers are all right cap-wise going into the future, as funny as that is. And I, I – I, you can only hope, I mean, that they, the, the, you get more of the Marcus Gilbert deals done where because that's looking like highway robbery now. I, I mean, I'm coming around. I mean, Colbert might prove me to be a fool yet again. <laughs> how does how does Marcus Gilbert not even sniff the Pro Bowl? I mean, how bad is the Pro Bowl when, when you, you miss a guy like that? It's a joke. It's a joke popularity contest. I mean, and it's just – I mean – He's faced the two leading sacking teams in the NFL. Um, Denver Broncos are tied for the NFL lead sacks with the New England Patriots. It's a very surprising yeah. stat. You know, um, he's been up one sack this year. It's not like he's going, he sees garbage. It's not like, you know, uh, he's playing for a team that runs the ball 40 times a game. We're, you know, pass per attempts per game with when Ben is in there, I think we're top two. Three in the NFL. I'm pretty sure I know that we're top three. I think that we're number two um, for pass attempts per game when Ben's. And I'm not big for stats, but that's you know if if, if Marcus Gilbert had only given up one sack and we had something like 300 pass attempts, it's not as impressive as whenever you consider you know it's closer. It's going to be 500. <laughs> you know, one sack, 500 dropbacks. It's pretty damn impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. It's, Ridiculous, to be honest with you, especially when you consider he's faced, you know, very high-quality players. You know, he's faced the Jones from New England. He's faced, 
excuse me, Lamar Miller, or excuse me, not Lamar Miller, uh, Miller from Denver who went to Texas. Von, Von Miller. Von Miller. Um, and then and, and there's more than that. I mean, Michael Bennett, Bruce Irvin, um, the the other kid from Seattle that went to Purdue, whose name escapes me right, right away. Um, the other Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill. You know, he he's just faced you know top pass rusher after top pass rusher, and then you look, he's you know a very good run blocker. I I, I don't know what else he could have done. I mean, he's put up it, over the last. 19, 20 games, he's been as solid as any player in the NFL. No, he has like one he's sack, gave up to Carlos. Carlos he's been over the last 18 games, Marcus Gilbert has played as good at right tackle as Antonio Brown has played at wide receiver. And now, if I would say that about any posi- any other probably position player, you would think that's a ridiculous statement. I can make that argument. When you consider how successful yeah. Le'Veon Bell was, you consider that, you know, over the, those you know 19 or 20 games, he's allowed one sack. You know? Yeah. Well, if only we could feel as loaded on the defensive side of the ball. However, I'll, let me ask you this question. Here's my dream scenario. My dream scenario is that, uh, uh, you know, Will, Will Gay is a free agent. He gets re-signed. I think Boykin is a free agent. Okay, Boykin is a free agent that if from here on to the rest of the year, he like, like last Sunday, he plays the entire game, is terrific, and, and feels part of this thing. They make, a, they make a Super Bowl run. You might be able to get Boykin back. So let's yes. let's just say you have Gay, Boykin, Cockrell, and and Sequez, uh, Sanquez Golson Golson as your as your top four guys next year. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue that that eliminates the need to find a number one corner. Maybe you know what? Am I missing something? Yes, you can never have enough corners. <laughs> if, if, if if we know whatever you're picking, it's like pass rusher. You know that. I mean. At this point, we, we'll take wider receiver off the board because of A.B. and Martavius Bryant. But whenever we're picking at, let's say, 32, we'll be to continue this on. At 32, if you can take, you know, your option is Jalen Ramsey or somebody ridiculous dropped. You know, you, you know, you take the corner. But if you got everything equal and you got a, I don't know, let's a pass say, rusher. You, you see, I don't a safety. Right. Okay, safety. And if you have a safety that's rated the same as the corner, you probably not would go with the safety. You know, you probably pull the trigger on, I don't know, Eddie, Eddie Jackson. From, I know that you're not a big fan from Alabama or, I don't know, um, Cash. No, I don't, I'm not not a fan. <laughs> I don't actually know the player very well. Okay, he's, he's, I'm purchased not as much of a fan because he actually has gotten beat vertically at cornerback. And he's actually got beat vertically this year against Ole Miss. But he is upside. Um, like, uh, I think he'll be more Mike Mitchellish, you know, Brent Alexander in his primish, you know, this smart, dependable, will lay the wicked, make you some plays. I mean, you're not going to find too many Ronnie Lots or Troy Palomalos. They don't come around. You know, if that guy comes around, he's going to be taken in the top 15. But yeah, I, I, yeah. but quarterback still got to be a consideration. It's a passing leg and we are 31, 31st in the NFL against the pass. Yeah. But I guess it's just with a core. I mean, let's put it this way. I don't think corner is the biggest problem they have in pass coverage. Do you? No. I think that uh, I mean, we struggle in other areas too, which is, I think, a, a big concern. Um, I, I, our strong safety and inside linebacker play in pass coverage is not great near as our outside linebacker. I would say that James Harris is probably definitely far and away our best outside linebacker in coverage, and James was really not built to go backwards anymore. 
<laughs> no. Although I did, uh, I did note a couple times Dupree. They don't ask him. They don't ask him to drop a lot because um, probably they're not super comfortable with him doing it. Would be my guess. But he does cover the ground, man. He, sure. he got. Oh, they, they, they had a coverage where they they uh, had him covering the deep flat, like ten or like he's basically covering the out uh, while they had a little bit of a game going on a, on a blitz or something. And he, so at the snap, he literally just took off. Uh, backwards, you know, on a diagonal to the sideline, and he covered as much ground as Shazir, you know, in that period of time, maybe even more. Just feels like he's he's got the capability athletically of doing it, but you know, as you as we talked about last week, he definitely seems like he's hit a little bit of a wall. But I also, you could you could solve they, that wall for him, I think. But go ahead, I'm sorry. I just gonna say, I think they're they're asking him to do a lot of technical stuff, rushing the passer because of contain and lanes and so on and so forth. And I, he, you know, seems like he would maybe thrive a little bit more if he just let him loose at this stage of his uh, career. I agree. Except for one thing I would tell him, uh, if I was Joey Porter, I would tell him, um, he can't run the arc one time rushing the passer in the first half. I wouldn't permit it. I tell him if he runs the arc that I'll put his ass on the bench and then he'll be done for the half because he, needs to develop a counter move and he needs to believe that he can bull rush and he needs to believe that he can drop something, a spin move, show something else because he's becoming a one trick pony with running the edge and quarterbacks are stepping up right above him and it's going to become a problem in the playoffs. I mean, two steps. Did you, did, but did you think they were doing it kind of on purpose? Cause I did. I, I felt like they were, they were particularly last weekend. I don't know about every week, right. but last I, weekend I, that I, they were kind of stuck. It's stuck in my craw against Cincinnati as well. And you had Dalton, and you had uh, McCarron. AJ McCarron. Yeah, it was consistently he's just running the arc, running the arc, running the arc. And you got to do something other than speed rush and try to loop around, you know, an offensive tackle. You got to, you know, <laughs> he can easily with his speed be a 15 sack guy. Um, the, the the thing that makes Von Miller special is Von Miller will dip back to the inside. If you get that right tackle, his weight on his outside foot, he's done. Generally, right off, right offensive tackles are large, fat, uncoordinated slobs that are there to kill people in their own game. It was true in the seven, in the eighties. It's true in the nineties, and it's still true today. I mean, Andre Smith. You know, um, Marcus Gilbert's actually the exception to the rule. Um, you know, yes. Marcus Cannon, who New England got stuck with. You know, um, this you can go down team after team, and it's still the right offensive tackles are not good pass blockers. Generally, you know, they're, they're average at best to be playing left tackle and getting paid the big bucks. I mean, but I but let me ask you a question. Do do you sure. think ultimately, as I do, that Dupree is much more suited to be for the right side? Because I feel like his responsibilities you could you could sort of narrow him down a little bit. Because I feel like he's a guy that just based on his history as a football player and where he's at developmentally, that asking him to do yes, he he's asked to do more things on the right side. I mean, on the on the left side. Whereas if you put him on the right side, and Have most of the time left tackle. Yeah, because I, well, he has I the power. He like actually, to me, he's got more power to be able to bull rush that guy. Yeah, I understand that, but he's also pretty good in coverage. You know, they, they don't do it with him a ton, but when they do it, I mean, he's better than Modes. 
and uh, he's athletic. And I, I, I think that uh, that lemon got some more juice to give, and I think that it's gonna, it may be coming into playoffs. Um, he, whenever a player generally hits the wall, what I think of is his legs are gone. That he can only he can only he, he can he can play less snaps. I, what I see from Dupree is uh, he's still, you know, he's in real good shape. Like athletically, he he's still got more to give. Um, it's just he's still thinking a little bit, and, and you can see the more he plays, the less he thinks, and the more it's becoming instinctive to him. And I would the one thing I would tell him is don't speed rush. You can I, w- I would try to like get into his mind that he can physically be offensive tackles with more than just a speed rush. And if, if – because teams still can't handle James Harrison. I mean, th- th- nobody wants to point it out because James Harrison's the villain of the NFL. A lot of teams still chip him with a back, most teams. Keep a tight end in to restrict his pass rush. Andy Whitworth couldn't handle him, you know. Um, yep. No, Denver couldn't handle him. I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty good. Still. Yeah. Um, he got another year on his contract. I I welcome him back. Welcome him back with yeah. open arms. Well, and especially if you're if you're transitioning a new guy there next year, which you you know you might be. True. I mean, uh, Jar- Jarvis is up this year, right? This is this yes, is he make is. or break There's year for yeah. That's why a lot of people think that, and I wouldn't be surprised if both go. I won't be shocked if you both come back. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I just, you know, this it's going to be, you know, we're looking ahead because there's still a lot of season left to go, hopefully. But what's going to happen in this next off season? there are a lot of possibilities for the defense. You know, it's sort of like if you, if they come together and have a great run on defense in this postseason, then you might be inclined to re-sign more of those guys but if they don't, and it and it really is glaring, becomes an even more glaring need. It, they have the potential because of the way the contracts are to just about blow the whole thing up, don't they? They could if they wanted to. Plus, you have an extra ten million dollars in salary cap room. You know that the the NFL salary cap's going up ten million. People were expecting a two million dollar you know acceleration. It's actually a ten, and then they're expecting eight million more the the following year. And uh the Steelers have been rebuilding, but they've been rebuilding a lot with youth. And it's, you know, David DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert, pretty young guys, Marquise Pouncey. He's not a spring chicken, but we're talking, you know, going to be into his, you know, late 20s. You know, that's still a young guy. Bellinueva's a yeah. young guy. So your offensive line is all young. A.B., he, we, he seems like he's a grizzled vet. He might be pushing 30. Martavius Bryant's 22, 23 years old. Marcus Wheaton, the old man of the group, still signed for another year, 24, 25. Heath Miller, agent. But, you know, you got Jesse James. We may not love it, but so tight end would be somewhere we're probably looking. You got to look for your next quarterback. Le'Veon Bell's a young kid. Um, and backs want to come to Pittsburgh. I don't know why, but. Well, you know, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, at this point, I think anybody who's got a chance to play with Ben on offense feeling, or, you know, feeling pretty good about life. Do you hear who signed with uh, New England this week? Stephen Jackson, uh, I, back in the NFL. I, Stephen Jackson is D-U-N done. He's more done than Peyton Manning, isn't he? Maybe. I, I'll put it this way. Um, 
I wish he signed with a different team. I wish he signed with us or with somebody else because I would love to see him get a ring. Um, I hated the player because people said that we should have took him instead of Ben way back in the day. Which I, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Come over here. Let me. Let me. Excuse me. Come here. Come here. <laughs> yeah, you have to whack somebody upside the head for that. Yeah. What uh, kind of maneuver? But, but you know what? He made a very. He had a very good career for a while, and. You know, there are certain guys that you cheer for, even if they're not Steelers. Sure. No, I buy all that. Right. Um, for some reason, Steven Jackson's like one of those guys for me. Well, I don't know why. Well, I guess I, all I would say is uh, the only guys you can be pretty sure are going to be back next year on defense would be Hayward, Tewitt, Mitchell, Shazier, on oh, Dupree. There's they're really Golson. every other guy. <laughs> well, Golson will, will be here, but, Mitchell, but I mean, I, it's yeah. like. Pretty pretty much the the rest of the guys are either uh, their contracts are up or their salary cap issue or they're not necessarily secure. You figure that probably Gay and uh, and Will Allen are going to probably will probably sign two or three year deals. Team friendly, just they both are still going to want to play. They both know they're not going to break the bank, and they both know that they fit here and. And if Will Allen becomes our fourth strong safety, so be it. I mean, he's earned every single dollar he's being paid this year. Um, he's oh, left, yeah. He's left the IQ points like, out on the field for the team. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Psycho. So, and, yeah. I mean, he's caused the first turnover against Denver. A lot of people. I mean, that'll go forgotten. You know, but no, no, he's he's caused a lot of turnovers this year. Sure, and Jarvis. He even Jones. caused one that wasn't counted. Yeah, one that wasn't counted. Yeah. Will Allen or Jarvis Jones always around the ball for the Steelers, as fine as it sounds. Yeah. Oh, uh, just about a half step slow getting there. No, I'm Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, for a second, let's, let's talk about this matchup coming against the Ravens. Um, I think everybody should be cautioned of two things. One is. This Baltimore Ravens team bears little resemblance to uh, the team that played the Steelers in the week, whatever it was, week two this year, week three. Uh, and it bears almost no resemblance to what, who they played a year ago. But the second thing to keep in mind is it's still the Ravens. It's still Steelers-Ravens. It's still going to be a division game where, like the, like the Cleveland Browns do, they, they're totally capable of putting up a good fight and playing above their heads for a game or part of a game against the Steelers. What, what, what's the most concerning thing about this matchup for you? Injuries. And I'm going to get back to something. I'm going to get off on a little tangent because I've been saving up for this. This <laughs> game right here is why you never put up two points when you don't need to put up two points. This game here is why Jim Harbaugh should, or John Harbaugh should never put up the extra fucking touchdown on the Steelers last year. This here, this game right here, if I'm the Steelers, I have one goal. I want to fucking embarrass this team. Embarrass them. They try to do it to you. If I can hang 70, I hang 70. If I'm the Steelers. <laughs> Literally, I hang 70. I know that well, sounds horrible. I know it's playoffs and you rest players and you show respect. You show respect to those who show respect to you. You can't find a single person on the message board that'll say that I like hunted them down and picked a fight with them because I've never done it at Sierra Fury. The re- I don't I don't have problems that a lot of people have because I go out of my way to be friendly and nice to people. Jim Har- or John Harbaugh here got it bad. 
He got so many players injured. And he could have been a gentleman. He could have played the game the right way in the past, and I think Tomo would have called off the dogs early if he had to, you know, just for the respect angle. But Harbaugh tried to break it off, and the Steelers, Tomlin, everyone's the fan base, the players' ass. And that stuff doesn't get forgotten. So if I'm the Steelers, I think they're going to come into this game with the goal of maybe trying to hang 70 points. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll tell you in about 15 minutes or so, uh, 10 or 15 right. minutes, why I'm, why I'm laughing. But it has to do with my <laughs> prediction this week. But uh, <laughs> at any rate, well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, you know, having, I watched the game against Kansas City. This is a game the Ravens got blown out. But in this game where they got blown out, you know, they had a, a length of the field, pick six for a touchdown. They tried a fake punt uh, on, you know, with their punter running up the middle, which actually was executed very well. And they, they probably, the punter, had he gone, had he zigged right instead of left, had about 40 yards of grass. It just went the wrong way, went into the tackler. Uh, but still, you know, kind of a silly play. And they had a couple of bad, other bad turnovers. Just sort of stretch of the game was very bad. In the early part of the game, even with terrible, uh, you know, just a guy that's just uh, like in the major league of baseball, they'd refer to him as a, a, a quad A player, Jimmy Clausen. He's not, you know, he's a, he was a decent college player, just not really good enough to be an NFL quarterback. Even with Jimmy Clausen, and even with you know what they have going on on their team. They kind of hung around with Kansas City. They're not that you know the talent disparity is not that great that they can just easily be blown out. But you know, so it's like to me, it's still a little scary that they could keep it close for a quarter, uh, especially in a game that's going to be fairly emotional, I would think, because you know from the from the Ravens' standpoint, I don't know, are they are they a lock yet to to get the uh, are they locked into where they? Yeah, I don't think they get first overall, but I think oh. they're locked into two or three. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to. I have get... a feeling they're going to play. I have a feeling they're going to play for keeps the next two weeks because, sure. you know, they have, they don't really have that much to gain by losing. No, I'm. I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a, a. I think they're going to play the games hard. It's just, um, you know, if they may be down to Ricky Wagner, their starting right tackle is out. Looks like he might be out with any injury. He hasn't practiced yet this week. I only I under I understand they only have the injury report out, but they're they're listing them as very questionable, which generally leads to be listed as doubtful, which generally means you're out. And it's just they're running out of bodies, you know. Um, I like Kamar Aiken, but he's like a four or five receiver on most teams. Well, hey, look at the beginning of the season, they had hoped that a receiver from Central Florida was going to be their main receiving threat. <laughs> they just didn't think it would be Aiken. They thought it would be right. Harriman. Uh, right. It's funny that they're and, both uh, Central Florida guys. But, yeah, Aiken is like a try-hard guy. You know, he's your number four receiver on most teams. He's the number six best. receiver on his team. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he thinks best. Yeah. It's, it's best, you know, and it's just – I'm not going to talk too much, Mac. Um, but I think the Steelers, if they can really embarrass the Ravens, I think they may try to do it. And it's they should try to do it. I, I'm, I'm. It's it needs to be done. I mean, it's respect, and you know, maybe Tomlin can, maybe the Steelers can be the bigger team. I don't like that. I, I would if, rub your nose <laughs> and shit if you can. 
Okay. <laughs> the um, what, what do you think of Buck Allen as a football player? I, I see. I was a fan of his coming out of college. A lot of people weren't. A lot of people questioned. Got a, you know, got a fumble issue, doesn't he? He does. I mean, but they said the same thing about Adrian Peterson. They say the same thing about David Johnson now. You ever notice that guys that run really hard sometimes fumble? That's what makes Le'Veon Bell so unique. You know, his, he doesn't fumble. But a lot of the, the more physical, hard-running backs that break a lot of those tackles have fumbling issues to Marco Murray. I know he sucks this year, but he had fumbling issues prior. I don't know. Sure. I, I mean, I, I I would love for my back whenever he gets contacted by multiple tacklers to maybe try to go a little bit of Ernest Jackson from back in the day and two hands on the ball running, you know, if Chuck Muncie, you know, you know, just cover it up with both hands and this. But, you know, you, every time one of those backs, you know, breaks a run for 70 yards, David Johnson, this past Sunday with maybe the run of the year in pro football. I don't know if you've seen it um, on Sunday Night Football. No. Um, you, next time he fumbles, remember that. You, you get those great runs, you're going to get a fumble every now and then. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I can I just forgive feel like Buck Allen from fumbling a lot easier than I can forgive a dry archer or a kick returner. I, I, it's someone, just, someone who doesn't offer as much. Is what right. Saying. It's a different standard for me, which isn't fair, but it's true. Yeah, I believe that. Um, any chance we see Ryan Mallett play quarterback for the the Ravens this week? I kind of feel like feel like we we are going to see him. If uh, if they're forced to play. You know, Ryan Mallett, is Jimmy Clausen definitely – or, excuse me, is Matt Schaub definitely out? Uh, I think Schaub is definitely out. Yeah, then if Schaub is definitely out, then, yeah, you – I mean – Because they've, cause they've I, said I be, basically – Harbaugh said he, if we see him. <laughs> well, well, you know, Harbaugh said uh, yesterday that he wants to try to get uh, – he wants to try to get Ryan Mallett, quote, a couple of games. So there's only two games left in the season for them. As far as I can tell, right. <laughs> <laughs> so from that standpoint, unless they're going to um, have him practicing in throughout the playoffs, you know. But yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's, it's Harbaugh's, you know, tough to read. Uh, the Ravens. The, the the funny thing is, is offensively it's terrible, but you know, defensively they're not really that horrible. I mean, considering that they're they're playing a lot of the same guys they started the season with. I mean, uh the the one big difference is uh Lawrence Guy's in a defensive end. I mean, Timmy Jerrigan, they still have the same those tackle, Brandon Williams, you know, you still got Doomerville. Um they are making yeah. by the by the um, way, I like that uh, Brett Urban this Brent Urban the uh their defensive end from defensive uh, University of Virginia. Nice uh, pass rusher. Good-looking pass pitcher. He He's like I a mean, Brett, Brett Kiesel for them. Right, and he and uh, he actually – the reason I like him is he actually can play, you know, with bent knees. It's unusual for, you know, a taller player to be able to play with, you know, bent knees. Lowest guy always wins, <laughs> no matter what. I mean, it's they win. And he can – if you can get low and you have long levers, which those long arms of Urban allows him to do, Say hello to JJ Watt. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, that that may be the that may be coming up in in two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it could be. True enough. All right. So, if other than injuries, which we're you know I'm going to knock on something a couple sure. of things. Um, aside from that, um, you know what 
what the I, I sometimes they ask you this question when the Steelers are playing an opponent who on paper is overmatched. What would we see that would make you concerned about the outcome of this game? Like what's going to keep it from really, being a blowout? Really, Todd Haley really wanted to get the run game established because I don't um, the, the, the Ravens front seven is pretty good. I mean, like I said, you, you from what they started the season with the only they're missing Suggs, which basically means that uh, Doomerville see him more snaps and Zadarius Smith from Kentucky, who was Bud Dupree's running partner, see him more snaps, and he's actually pretty good against the run. You know, Courtney Upshaw, the other outside linebacker, very physical. Daryl Smith, pretty good. C.J. Mosley's a stud as their other inside linebacker. Both their safeties, Kendrick Lewis and Will Hill, are physical. I mean, it, the Steelers' running game really – I mean, if if we try to cowerball it, and this, the longer this game stays close, the more of a chance the, – the Ravens' hopes, you know, will grow. You know, unfortunately for them, you know, Darius Webb, Kyle Arrington – Sharice Wright, Jimmy Smith, they ain't covering our fucking wide receivers. And Kendrick Lewis and Will Hill ain't running with Martavius Bryant. They ain't running with Marcus Wheaton. They ain't running with Antonio Brown. You know, they they if they're not 18 yards off the ball, they're getting run by. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let us hope that the that the biggest argument that we have uh, while watching the game is is it time to take Ben out? Sure. Actually, here, here's a better question: If you you know if they're so fortunate, and everything goes the Steelers' way, and they get a lead in this game. Uh, you know, who do you decide is worthy of being pulled out, and who should you know? Because they, they can't pull everybody out, right? No, I mean, obviously like, you can't. At but, some point, I mean, it becomes ridiculous. But I would think, I would think that you know, you you're so thin at left tackle, you're so you know, uh, Antonio Brown is so irreplaceable. Sure. I mean, uh, I, I pull running back, running back. I mean, right. there's these you guys, don't need these guys got two wide receivers. So you figure Darius Hayward Bay, and uh, I don't know who the fifth wide receiver they've even been dressing is, which is a little bit sick. Um, it's Darius Hayward Bay, the fourth. Did they uh, dress coats? He doesn't dress that many no, games. I don't think he dressed. I'm not sure. I don't think he dressed last week. No. Right. So how about me? How how deep are how deep are you a wide receiver when you know arguably the best wide receiver in the best conference in college football? You draft him. And and he doesn't even see the field. Like he's got like two targets on the season. Like you, you're pretty good at wide receiver when you you don't even glance glance at that guy. That's amazing. I, the best way to describe him is imagine if Teddy Jen was really really big. And it's it's horrible to say, but it's like true. And he's a really good blocker. Hmm. But I mean, I'm not I'm not taking it's and and what I mean is like Ted Jen. I've never ever ever seen him caught from behind. And that's the same thing that I can say about Coates. Never seen him caught from behind. Why? So here's a question. Why? I had a dream. I just remembered this. I, uh-huh. I had a dream like uh, Monday, uh-huh. and it, it was I, I saw I was talking with somebody who's a uh, uh, not necessarily a coach with the Steelers, but like somebody who works with the team, like in the in the in the locker room, trainer or somebody. And we were talking about something about kick returns. And he said, do you know what the kick return teams need? 14. And I was like, 14. And I, then I woke up and I was like, oh, Sammy Coates, yeah. Why, like, why doesn't Sammy – how, how is it not possible that Sammy Coates has, has, uh, gets a look at kick returner for this team? His, his hands fumbling the football aren't really a question, are they, or catching the football as a kick returner? I know in camp he struggled as a punt returner, but that's a different animal. Sure. I mean – 
punt return, I, I, I never really got to field many punts or kicks in my day. But my understanding. Uh, <laughs> Did you catch a kickoff and get nailed? Like, oh, boom, boom, boom. Get the, get the wind knocked out of you? Anytime I had the ball in my hands, which was not often, um, you better be violent. You better come high and hard because I was, like, looking to get Larry Zonka. I was old school, baby. Merrill Hodge, Larry Zonka. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't remember Terry Bradshaw as an elite quarterback, but you remember Larry Zonka. Like, I'm I'm throwing the flag on you. No, I mean, that was my running style. It was like, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, looking to make contact. Like, Kevin Mack. Like looking yeah. for something to run into. I wasn't Christian Okoye where I could run by or around people in a large body. I do you remember Christian <laughs> Okoye from the Kansas City Chiefs? Of course. I seen him on TV recent. Like it's recent. He's still like humongous and in like great shape. It's like him and Herschel Walker. That's like they like sold their souls. They don't age. Do not age. They're both well. Those those cats were in tremendous shape. They weren't. They were never football fat. Like they're still fat. in tremendous shape. They I weren't mean, big like, for being fat. Tremendous shape. Can we tell you, like you should try to see on TV now, Maurice Jones Drew. It looks like a fat guy ate Maurice Jones Drew now, dude. He got to be Ritter Pons. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. Ritter Pons. He's, Let me put this he's enjoying you, retirement. You know what Nate Newton, you'd expect Nate Newton to look like? That's what Maurice Jones Drew looks like in retirement. I see him on that's TV. Funny, I'm like, there ain't, there ain't, there ain't no way that's Maurice Jones Drew. And then they're like, Maurice Jones Drew. I was like, ah! You but then like, you, see, like, uh, offense, you see offensive linemen who look like, you're like, wait, what happened to the rest of you? Right. Jeff Saturday. Um, yep. He's from, from the Colts. He wasn't a big guy, but he's really, really, like, been now. And there's other guys. So, uh, good. So I was just going to say, when you were running the football, you were Laquan McGowan, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How Roosevelt about that guy? Mix. By the way, I just posted on the uh, on the podcast uh, uh, thread on on SteelerFury.com. I posted uh, a video of Laquan McGowan scoring a touchdown. But in the in the preview for the video, it has a picture of him holding the football, and the football looks like, you know, if, if I held, like, one of those little kid footballs, <laughs> like, like, it's amazing. This dude is huge. He is, he is a big dude. He can play a little bit, though, I think. He can play a lot. I mean, like, he – I mean, he, he ain't going to really win too many races down the seam, but let me put it this way. How would you like to be, like uh, – Vaughn Miller and have to be lining up on his like inside eye and he gets to down block you. It's like he's six, <laughs> he's six seven all of, six seven all of four hundred pounds. I mean he's like yeah. a, like he's a really large fella. Yeah, how'd you, well I was gonna say how'd you like to be like Senquez Golson and, and try to tackle that dude in the open field? Like that's another one. Uh-uh. Ouch. I Painful. mean he might be injured just from this bastard falling on him. <laughs> True enough. Uh, any, anything else uh, you want to say about Steelers Ravens before we move on? I mean, I just we, we're pretty, you know, we're always like this, and then you get into the game and you're just like, why is this game so close? But I, I just have a feeling that it's not. It may take a little while for the Steelers to pull away. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be like seventeen nothing in the first five minutes of the game. But you know, if things go the right way, it, it totally could be. Jimmy Clausen, Clausen plays quarterback. It's way more likely than Mallet. Mallet might make some mistakes for you, but he can play a little bit, right? 
He can rip the ball. I mean, I'm, Jimmy Clausen's actually had a ton of success against us in preseason when he played for Carolina, which concerns me a little bit, but not a ton. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's He's still Jimmy Clausen. And uh, I think this defense is very slowly but surely getting better and getting better and getting better. And we'll see. Um, well, hey, hey, let me ask they you did play a lot better fact- when Antoine Blake's not on the field. And I'm, I don't know if that's coincidence or what. But the less less Anquan Blake you see, and the more of you, the more you see of, you know, of Ross Cockrell, and the more you see of Brandon Boykin out there, the 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 the, the more, you know, the, the, they locked down Sanders, they locked down Demarius Thomas in the second half, you know. Um, well, I, I would I would say this in the second half of that game, they were the best defense on the field, you know, which. Granted, they weren't playing against the Steelers' offense, but still, they they played great. I I don't know. I I just feel like you look at Blake in a vacuum. Uh, if you never watch another team and you just watch the Steelers play, it, it doesn't seem like the guy's a, a great gifted player. But you know, in zone coverage, it seems like he's he's close. He just doesn't there to make the play. But when you watch a guy like Boykin, in contrast, Boykin makes you understand the limitations that a guy like Blake has, because. He, you know, he he is he anticipates the throw. He's aware of guys around him. His head's on a swivel. He can attack and make plays on the ball when the ball's in the air. It's not just like Blake. Blake, I think, often tends to not trust his instincts. He's flat-footed when the ball comes out, and then once the ball gets delivered, he reacts to the guy and tackles the catch. But I think the great guys in coverage, especially zone coverage, are always moving. Their feet are never set, and they. You know they they react, they anticipate and trust their instincts. I just they're like night and day those two players. Now, granted, Blake, you know, I, I like I, I don't think even last week he played horribly. Just really just the one play against Demarius Thomas. Right. But I, you know, we're in the game. His ta- his tackling and lack of wrapping up is maybe a bigger issue for me than even his coverage limitations. But you know, you see, you see a guy like Boykin, and you're like, oh, if you just upgraded the 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 cornerbacks a little bit so that they're able to anticipate more and make plays on the ball. It makes a huge difference. I don't know. I'm saying the obvious to you. No, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. The thing is, is he's probably would be best as a gunner, you know, on special teams because he has had success, some success at that. And is like a nickel and dime player where a guy that you might bring in for, you know, eight to 10 plays, maybe he's a blitz or maybe you drop him in the zone coverage. He's not an every down NFL player. I don't think he ever will be, but I think he could have an effective role in NFL defense. It's just, you know, if his snap counts much over 15 or 20, there's a problem. Indeed. I'll get, I'll make that the last word on the subject. Um, let's go to our illustrious uh, picks slash around the league segment. Brought to you by Mike Pereira, Dean Blandino. I got see. I remember the pies on this time. Uh, Mike Carey. Um, Chico's Bill Bonds, Kevin Frazier, and the late great, rest in peace, one year ago today, Joe Cocker. Oh, Joe Cocker, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and that isn't a Cocker Spaniel. You're, you're no, that is Bella the Pitbull. Oh, the Pitbull, exactly. Okay, well, she's annoyed at you right now for something. I don't know what it is. She doesn't uh, like whenever I talk on the phone. She likes to be fed treats by hand. She's so damn spoiled. So she, she takes after you, in other words. She, she's living she your lifestyle. A bit. 
<laughs> yeah, so she actually got her first official weigh-in um, post like uh, in like the last six months, and she is coming close to triple digits. Oh my God! <laughs> exactly, that's she's not fat. I mean, she's wow. literally the dog that's in my avatar at uh, Fury because I finally uh, wow. decided to pull down the guy that got cut like in August. So yeah, she is a uh, she is a specimen. Yikes! Uh, so. Uh, in the spirit of Christmas giving, uh, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, let's. I, we'll shoot out some names at you. What do, What do they want for Christmas? <laughs> what do they need for Christmas? Better question. Start with Antoine Blake. Um, Antoine Blake. All he needs for Christmas is uh, less naps. Brandon Boykin to play a little bit more. I was gonna say more talent. <laughs> Horrible. I'm really bad. Uh, how about? Uh, how about Ben Roethlisberger, the man who has everything? He needs um... – come on, FC. It was a layup. Come on. I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving you the layup. It's He just needs one more <laughs> ring. That's exactly what he needs. I know. I went with it. So, <laughs> one more ring. At least. Three. Yes. <laughs> At least. How about uh, Cam Newton? Cam Newton, um, receivers that will hold on to the damn ball. There you go. Now and a little bit more space for that MVP things. trophy that he has earned. <laughs> Roger Goodell. Um, I'm actually coming around. I came around a little bit, but uh, all Roger needs uh, for Christmas is uh, to pull um, his lips off of uh, Robert Kraft's ass. <laughs> I was thinking that he needs the movie Concussion to bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That also would be good. Uh, let's see. How about uh, Mike Tomlin? What does he need for Christmas? <laughs> New catchphrase. Because <laughs> that bingo card is kind of funny. Because you go through it, he's like, holy fuck. I tell you what's amazing is that every time I joke and I like I pull out the bingo card and I'm thinking to myself, I want to make myself a nice post showing all the how he messed up the bingo card. The, the, the man has so many phrases that he uses that are all on the same sort of par of what you would think, oh, yeah, this is part of his regular repertoire. It's it's more – it's like enough to fill up five bingo cards. Like, the guy is amazing with turning the phrase. He's taking it to a new level. You know, Don't blink or I'll cut off level. your eyelids. <laughs> Don't blink or I'll cut off your eyelids. <laughs> Beautiful. Really, you just can't. It's like, where does this stuff come from? That's what I would like to know. Fantastic, fantastic, man. Anyway, um, uh, anybody I missed for the Christmas list? Tom Brady. Ah, uh, all Tom Brady needs for Christmas is his wife to stop dressing him. Christ! <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you wearing? God, God! How the fuck did you win four Super Bowls? He's you have for you. Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Do you think the end for Tom Brady will look like the end for Peyton Manning? No. Or, or do you think he's a guy that walks away? Um, I think that Tom Brady will pretty much be carried out, but I don't think that Tom Brady would ever allow himself to get to the point where he's healthy and holding a clipboard in the NFL. So, no. <sighs> I mean, doesn't Brady – call Manning at some point and say, yo, pay, it's time. Like somebody, there's got to be somebody Eli. that he respects enough to call him. Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe. But if my little, you know, I don't have a little brother. 
If I had right. a little brother and he called me and said that, I might still not take it right with the, the same yeah, seriousness. That's possible. Do you think it's but I mean, to do some, it? somebody needs to tell the dude that it's time, right? Like he needs Chuck Noll to call him up and tell him to get on with his life's work, which is shilling pizza, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, uh, very exciting. Uh, so just looking around, looking around uh, the league, Carolina going to lose a game in the regular season this year, and oh, if so, not. is this the week? Atlanta, I guess I was really surprised to learn Atlanta is still very much alive for a, a wild card spot in the NFL, which shocked me. Because they've been on a slump for like a month. They started like six or seven and a half, but yeah. Um, now, um, as funny as it sounds, Josh Norman was the original, you know, Julio Jones cure. I mean, he, he he's done really well against Julio Jones. That's actually what got him on the map with me. Oh, that's right. There was some other guy that liked him for the draft. You're just like you bastard. <laughs> no, it's I'm, okay, man. Coastal Carolina. No, no, no. I'm being. I'm being. I'll be serious. Um, very rarely do you have a corner that can match up with the smallish corner or the smallish wide receivers like the Antonio Browns or the Odell Beckham's, and be able to match up with the bigger boys, the Julio Jones, Martavius Bryant. Megatron, the six foot four, two hundred twenty pound plus wide receivers, and Josh Norman's shown the ability to cover both, you know, and he's probably the only corner. <clears throat> Patrick Peterson struggles, um, actually, with smaller wide receivers. Struggles mightily with smaller wide receivers, um, and then you know you take other, you know, other corners out there. Uh, you know, Darrell Revis, I don't think he's the same player he once was. It's father time. I mean, he is entering his tenth year in the NFL. You know, he does play premier position, you know, or excuse me, ninth year in the NFL, and he does play a premier position, you know, which is based on athleticism. I mean, Daryl Greens of the world are a rarity. You know, Dion, you know, had it, and then he lost it. You can't really say it about Rod Woodson because of the move to free safety, but, you know, I think that that probably extended his career an extra three years instead of playing out there, you know, on the edge, playing out there on the island, you know, with you know, no one to help you. Yeah. Well, I got a question. I for think you. Josh Norman uh, is probably as good as, at his position as any player in the NFL. I think Antonio Brown might have a bigger, might be a, even with the special seasons other wide receivers are having. And there is quite a few in Duke Hopkins. You know, they'll back him. I just think Antonio Brown. If Ben was healthy, do you think that it's possible that Antonio Brown might have got to 200 balls and 2,000 yards? I I think he's going to come <laughs> close enough to it anyway. I mean, you know, the guys, it, it's um, he has an outside chance. There was an article uh, on ESPN uh, this about his three years stretch, the last three seasons, and uh, he is already they they listed like uh, the greatest seasons that they could come up with. And it was like you know Jer- Jerry Rice three seasons, Calvin Johnson's best three seasons in a row. Um, who else did they have on there? I can't remember now, but at any rate. Uh, of the five guys they had listed, Antonio Brown already has the most catches uh, with two games to go, and he is something like uh, 230 yards or 240 yards shy of the most yards. And they were like, well, he's got a good chance to kick, you know, get number two in yards. And I'm like, have you seen this guy play? <laughs> like, it's he's not – it's not impossible for him to, to get to, to the, uh, you know – to the point where he would have the most catches and most yardage 
of any wide receiver in NFL history for three seasons in a row. Like that is lofty territory, no matter what the rules are like, you know, there's, there's nobody doing what he's doing right now. Um, but you preempted my question a little bit, which was just going to be, um, I'm, I'm going to take a stab and say, uh, keep Tlaib, Patrick Peterson, Josh Norman, Marcus Peters. Are, the, are those the four best corners in the NFL? And if so, how do you rank them? I'm, I'm, I'm quickly going over corners in my mind. You know what? I'm going to um, – Butler from New England is actually pretty damn good, too. I don't like to give him credit, but I would go – No, 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 no. He definitely is. For second-year players especially, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm I'm thinking that that would be the only guy I put in there. And probably Norman one. Patrick Peterson, two, just because he's proven it. And then, wow, I like Peters. Um, he's had some rough games, so. Tlaib's mom, mom is going to come looking for you if you don't make it. Exactly. Down. I'm going to have to go with him third. <laughs> okay, but come on. My point, though, is Marcus Peters, he, he's easily a top five corner in this league, is he not? He's right in the As a rookie. Line. Absolutely, yeah. And that tells you. I mean, it's, 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 it's Josh Norman probably ain't going to be the best corner in the NFL in two years. It's, yeah, you know, changes. Yeah, and changes. I mean, and it's just such a – it's a weird game because you can watch um, some of the stuff that Josh, you know, Josh Norman gets away with. There's no way that they're going to let, you know, Antoine Blake or Willie Gay even get away with. Um, the, the more praise you get, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be a hater, but Antonio Brown from time to time is guilty of some offensive pass interference. Same thing with Mark Davis Bryant. But now that they're more of uh, – premier players in the NFL, there's nobody that interferes more than Odell Beckham Jr. or Megatron. I think that I, like, I, I've seen it cut up where, like, they're, they could have been called for offensive pass interference 60 times in the last, uh, over the last season and a half. 60 sure. times. Well, that was one thing about the game last week is, you know, it was officiated kind of like a playoff game in that they let, them, they let the teams get away with a lot of contact and stuff, but the Steelers receivers, for a change, gave as good as they got, really, in they terms had of the physical, physicality. And that was the key to the game, I thought. Right, they had to. I mean, it's, it was either, you know, they, they, I really feel that if uh, they could have rolled over and played dead or, you know, they can, can come out and fire their gun and they fire their gun. I mean, it's, it, it, it's the most explosive offense in the NFL. And... I hate to say this, if Le'Veon, people say, well, maybe it's best that Le'Veon, no. It's never best that Le'Veon Bell got injured. Because Le'Veon Bell's a very important part of this passing game, you know, <laughs> too. And then can you imagine if we had D'Angelo Williams as the change of face back? Or we could, you know, it's just, this offense can, is even going to be more dynamic going forward. I mean, um, I wish there was a way that we could bring Bell back if he could play in, you know, a month whenever the uh, – but it's more – it's the PCL injury that will prevent it because I think they probably were at the point where, you know, 16 weeks out he probably can play with a torn MCL, as funny as that sounds. Yeah, I can see that. But, yeah, the P- PCL, that's yeah. a bear, man. Right. It's uh, a little bit of a bear, and it's the stability joint. But the one good thing that, that – and the reason that I feel he'll make a full recovery is uh, he's a workout beast. Yep. 
Apparently, he's already at the stage where he's walking around and all that yeah, stuff. So. He's rehabbing it. He's awkward rehabbing yeah. already. He's a beast. Beast. He's a beast. Uh, okay, so uh, give us a give us a prediction for this week's uh, Steelers or Ravens five star match. Right, it's a five star match. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with seventy. I will let that be known now. Um, I think that the Steelers <laughs> are gonna have the opportunity to hang a lot of points, and I think they're gonna take advantage of that opportunity. Thirty-eight, thirteen Steelers. So this, by the way, the Steelers are uh, Steelers record is seventy three, I think. In case you're you're keeping track at home, <laughs> um, Swiss is going to correct me, but I think it's from the in the sixties, early sixties, maybe like sixty two or something. Seventy three points they put up. I think in uh, the Steelers against uh, Indianapolis in Ben's five touchdown game, they put up fifty five or something in that one. Yeah, the six one, the six touchdown game last year. That Ben Hunt, or six touchdown or, game, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it, was, it was even more ridiculous. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to remember the highest scoring Steeler game I can remember. I think that they may have once hung 52 in the Cowboy regime, but that's not as I can remember from a Steeler stand. Yeah, well, I don't think they'll. I'm not sure they're going to get to the uh, the all time record. But what I was laughing about uh, when you said that, when you when you said that about the possibility of them trying to set this, you know. The scoring record. Uh, by the way, I think the NFL record is uh, something like 113 or something. I don't know. Anyway, by the way, Steelers hung 51 on the Colts last year. Uh, I, I, I'm going to do something I've never done, as far as I know, before on this show, and that is predict the Steelers to score more than 40 points. I am going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers 41 to 14 uh, over the. Over the Ravens, and that for, you for very much being, the same reasoning that you had. Can you imagine being the coach who put 113 points up on Chuck Knoll? If you ever try that <laughs> shit again, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> that was like whenever they like hung 50 on him. Can you imagine like 100? He'd been like yeah. going to well, his the, car to get his gun. Actually, well, the, the he'd have been the, like, "Fast home, <laughs> go to your car, get your rifle." Get your uh, automatic weapon. Yeah. Now I, I don't know. I I think that the only reason I'm going to make the score that high is I don't think it has to take a whole game of being a close game for the Steelers to score score 41. I think you could get a defensive score uh, and, you know, uh, a, a couple of uh, three, a couple of two, three quick touchdown passes early in the game and uh, get a a Landry Jones score or a, a running score late in the game when you're just trying to salt it away. I just have a feeling that this is not going to be a close game. And if the Chiefs if the Chiefs hung forty last week, I think the Steelers are going to be have two priorities in this game, as you said. Well, three. They're going to win the game. They're going to try to stay healthy in the course of the game, and they're going to try to stay hot. I think that's a big uh, factor that that we've seen before in Mike Tomlin teams as they come down the end of the the end of the last couple of games of the season in December, is that they're they're not looking at that point to like tread water to get to the postseason, they're looking to stay hot and guys play and they play hard. And I think if the Steelers come into the game, they play hard, but the talent that they have, what they're going to put out there, uh, if 41-14 is the right score to predict, it might end up being a one point win. If which, in which case, as long as we end up healthy, I really don't care. Uh, but this is what I think is going to happen. FC, I give you the holiday last word, man. What's, what's the word? Don't drink and drive, kids. Have a happy, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. 
Uh, we'll probably talk to you before New Year's Eve, and I might tell you don't drink and drive then, too, but just don't drink and drive. It's not worth it. And uh, hopefully, if the Steelers uh, do their normal thing and they choke against the Ravens, you're going to want to listen to the <laughs> podcast because I'm going to be so fucking vile, so vulgar, but I don't see it happening. So, But, uh, you know, enjoy Christmas. Remember, it's, you know, little baby Jesus' yearly birth, so don't drink and drive. And uh, deal with your family. If you have volume, take them. You're going to need them. So. This is a classic FC. We went have to bottle that last word. I'm afraid to say anything else, man, except for thank you for joining me on the podcast. Uh, have a Merry Christmas or uh, Festivus tonight. Tonight's Festivus, man. So yes, it is. Air, air your air 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 dark grievances. What am yeah. I? What am I thinking? We totally forgot to air our grievances. Damn it! <laughs> I think we. To be I fair, won. we air. If you win the fucking toss, defer. Get the double possession. <laughs> but, but I have you, Ben. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we well, air our coach. grievances. It's not like you I lose think them. We, <laughs> I think uh, we air our grievances every week on this show. So yeah, it's always festivus here. With yes, the SteelerFury.com podcast on behalf of my friend there, FC, and uh, Fury, all the gang at SteelerFury.com. I'm here to tell you, Merry Christmas, and oh, go oh, get them, Steelers. Happy Festivus, too. Yes, happy Festivus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.